Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. Thanks, uh, worship team, and thanks everyone for joining us in this whole worship experience. It's really an encouraging thing that we get to sing the truth of God's word uh, to one another. Uh, this morning, I have been given the privilege of uh, preaching and teaching the Word of God, and uh, we are actually in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 21. Um, but before I get on with God's Word, I just want to, I guess, open with this, that uh, for some of you here uh, as a church family, some of you uh, know that I had to go to the Philippines uh, around September, like early September, because my grandmother passed away. And I really appreciate all of the concerns and the prayers and the condolences that you sent, uh, you know, to me and my family. That was much appreciated. And we really felt loved by this church family. Um, so it did happen that just around the early, uh, the first few weeks of, uh, the early weeks of September, my, yeah, it was September 5th, I believe, my grandma passed away. And so me and my family here in Canada, we had to go to the Philippines, and we were there for, for me anyway, we, I was there for like 12 days, and we got to experience the whole different kind of funeral style, uh, way that they would do it in a different country, uh, not like a Canadian kind of way, but it was, I was kind of surprised by it, and apparently they did like funerals for like days, right? Uh, but in any case, it was all good, and we got to spend, uh, to celebrate the life of my grandmother, who was a believer, and so there was so much rejoicing and hope in that. And then after that, we were able to spend uh, so the rest of our days basically on vacation mode, and it was nice. It was a nice treat. Uh, I was so grateful for that. But in any case, you know, during the funeral times, I was able to think about this a little bit, and, you know, today we're singing about the life that we have in Jesus but I, you know, I, I, during the funeral times, the funeral services, I was thinking about death, right? And, and, and I was thinking about, you know, the things that people say, the eulogies that people, you know, uh, uh, the statements that they say during, you know, giving uh, respect or honor for those who have passed away. But you know one thing, I don't know, I, I want you to think about this. I'm not so sure if, you know, for me, I haven't heard it said a lot that this person, for example, who died was an honorable man. Having, I, I think there, a while ago, many years back, there was one of those eulogies, something caught my attention in one of those eulogies, and somebody said, oh, this man that died is someone who set Jesus as holy in his heart. And when somebody said that, I was like, oh, that's really cool to be said about you uh, in your funeral. But then, you know, and there was another time that really caught my attention, and it was that word, honorable. And somebody said, oh, yeah, this person that died, he, he was an honorable man. And for me, I was like, oh, that's, I guess that's really cool, you know, being a young man. And it's because we don't hear that word anymore. We don't hear people talk about other people in that way. Oh, that man was an honorable man. This woman was an honorable woman. Um, this person set the Lord Jesus Christ as separate, as holy in his or her heart. And so um, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. And, and the, the Bible talks about honor in, in many different references. In the Old Testament, we know this in the Ten Commandments. Uh, one, of, one of it says, what, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, right? So, um, and in the New Testament, it has commanded us to honor the king, for instance, or to honor those in authority in the government. 
Think about that for a moment. To honor, uh, again, our parents, it says the same thing. Uh, to honor, another thing that New Testament teaches us is to honor the Word of God. Because the way you honor the Word of God is actually how you honor God. Right? If you show disrespect for God's Word, then really you're showing disrespect to the one who said the, these words. Um, and then there's other things that we hear in the New Testament, such as uh, the pastors or ministers, for instance, have a double honor. Um, and the, so there's this whole, there's a whole lot of references that talks about honor. And, and tonight, uh, sorry, today I want to talk about giving honor to God. And the truth is, giving honor to God is not just a Christian thing, but it is a creation thing. Every creature, all of creation must give honor to the Lord. Because he is worthy of honor and praise and adoration and reverence and awe and everything else. He's, he is worthy of it all. And this is the God that we serve. Um, and so the message for today will focus on honoring and revering God. Really, you know, another term that we could use is worshiping God. Today we are in a worship service. Uh, there is a part where we worship through singing or worship through giving, and now we're worshiping through the preaching, through listening attentively to the preaching and teaching of God's word. But really, worship is a part of our lives, right? Uh, someone has defined it this way. Worship is a lifestyle. It's really your, all of your life. You know, whether in public worship like today or in private worship, we are worshiping, right? And then, of course, now it's just a matter of who you're worshiping. Because we are created by God himself, designed to be worshipers. So because of who God is and what Christ has done, this is what we're going to be learning today. Live your life this way. In what way? And so we will tackle that in our passage. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 21. Uh, open your Bibles with me, please. And uh, if you're there, let's read 17 to 21. And... If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Praise God for his word. So uh, a little bit of background with First Peter. Um, Peter here, uh, some of you may already know, but this text is not addressing a specific church. This is actually addressing believers in general. Um, and uh, th if there's anything specific about it, it was those believers in those days who were running away because they were being persecuted for their faith. So they were like on the run. They're on the go because they're being persecuted uh, by their faith in Asia Minor. And, you know, the whole geography of it, they're running around all over the place. But in, here in our text, it, it called them exiles. Um, exiles under persecution. And so, really, that was kind of like the description for them during those days. But also, this is the description for us today. We are exiles. We are sojourners. We are strangers. We are no longer uh, of this world, or, although we are in this world. Um, and so, this passage is for those who have been brought out of the world, 
there's a world system that is corrupt and brought into the kingdom of God and his word. So this uh, is the passage uh, that emphasizes that. Again, there is that idea that this message is for those whose home is not here on earth. This, we're just passing through. There's another word for it, uh, pilgrims, right? Um, uh, again, as sojourners, uh, we are on a journey passing through this world, which is not our permanent house. Peter teaches us that there is a way we should conduct ourselves. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, just a little bit before this, it says, keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable, uh, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, the idea of conduct is sprinkled throughout this whole book, 1 Peter. Um, and it is an important demonstration of the reality of the lives of those who are in Christ. Your conduct. This is an important aspect of our lives. He's talking about here your way of life. Uh, really, he's talking about, you know, to bring it further, your responsibility as believers. This is talking about the responsibility of every believer to have a pattern of life, to carry themselves, to conduct themselves in a certain way. Well, in what way? So this is what we're going to be learning today. Some of you may already know this, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the first way, well, really what he said here, this is how you should conduct yourselves, with fear and reverence. All right? So if you look at verse 17 again, um, that's what it says. Uh, It says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So those who have been taken out of darkness and brought into God's light and life are to have a pattern of life. And really the pattern that we should have with our lives is this, living our lives with fear. Now the concept of fear that this is talking about is not talking about living in a state of anxiety or panic. We even sang about that, right? We speak the name of Jesus against, you know, anxiety. And so this is not what this is talking about. It's not talking about living afraid of everything. No, this is not it. But this fear and reverence is really talking about having true faith that holds God in the highest possible esteem and reverence. Again, the other word for this is honoring God. We honor God. In the wisdom literature, this is called the fear of the Lord. You know, if you read your Psalms, your Proverbs, and even Job, you will see it's called the fear of the Lord. And here, in the fear of the Lord, right, the heart of the, of the person, the heart of all of you as a person, is inclined to adore and to honor the Creator. This is what we are called to do, to conduct ourselves in this way. All right? But the problem is, the default of fallen man as mankind is that we don't want to honor God. That's the default. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, right? It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or they did not glorify him as God. And so God gave them over to the futility of their minds, and their hearts were darkened. Um, So really, this is our nature, that although we know we should be honoring God, but the default, it's so easy to go back into that and slide back into it, is that we don't honor God. And that's why Peter is bringing this up to the Christians, right? The fear of the Lord, again, is having true faith that holds God in the highest possible esteem and reverence. 
Um, and then uh, in that verse, verse 17, it says, If you call as father the one who judges impartially, then you ought to have a kind of reverence with regard to him. So this ought to be a sovereign effect on your judgment of the things in this world. Right? So because we have a fear and reverence because we, of who God is and as we worship him with our lives, then this should change. This must change the way we see things in this world in light of this truth, right? So for example, we know that in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, most of you are probably familiar with that, and there is a whole concept of, man, everything is meaningless. Everything is vanity of vanities, right? Everything is vanity. Uh, You know, basically there's a sense that, you know what? You can go to work, and then you go to work, so you get money, and you get money so you can eat, and then you eat, and then you go to sleep, and then you go to sleep so you can go back to work, and it goes like this, right? For the rest of a lot of people's lives, it's a circular pattern, right? Um, but then, the, the Ecclesiastes, you know, in Ecclesiastes, we are taught that way, that really, that's what life is. Under the sun, it's meaningless, vanity of vanities. Unless, you have, unless you're living your life above the sun, um, which is a whole different topic that we could be talking about next time. But in any case, the idea here is that really, there's a lot of things that we have in our lives, you know, gold and silver. At the end of the day, when you die, that those things don't matter, apparently. Your cars and your houses and the things that you've gathered up, although they're not unimportant, right? Because we do need vehicles, we need a home and all those things. God has provided all those good things for us to enjoy. And yet, it's important for us to know that those things really, at the end of the day, is meaningless. And it's crazy because you go to Ecclesiastes 1, 2, 3, and 4, and then you land at chapter 12. And chapter 12 talks about it this way. You know what? Everything is vanity and meaningless. But you know what is not meaningless? You know what is not vanity? In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 to 14, it says, The end of the matter is this. All has been heard. Fear God. That's what is meaningful. That's what matters, that you would fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. So we, there, you know, and this is not talking about God as a consuming fire having a passion of some sort, but really he's talking about that our God is a consuming fire and he is holy and we are unholy that if his presence, if his presence touches us, we would just vanish, we would just burn. We, that's the kind of God that we serve. We really cannot stand in his presence apart from Christ. Um, but really, this is our God. He is a consuming fire and we should bring and offer to him acceptable worship with reverence and awe. This is what matters ultimately, that we would fear the Lord. That's what matters. In all that we think about, say or do, ask yourself, ask, let's ask ourselves, right? Do we fear the Lord? What, and, and so now today we'll, we'll be talking about what that looks like. All right, um, you know, for example, we already said that it looks like you have awe and reverence that we would offer to him praise with our lives by faith. Remember again, it is impossible to please God without faith. And so the life that we live, we, we live by faith in the Son of God, right? Um, and so in, in, in contrast to those who do not fear the Lord, what do their lives look like? Well, in First Peter chapter 4, verse 3, 
Peter gives us an example that their lives look like sensuality, passions, and drunkenness, and orgies, and drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. And so Peter says our conduct is now to be different from that. You are, we as God's people are actually to live with a God word, God word focused that actually changes the way in which we conduct ourselves now, today, in this world. Now, you see how Peter gives examples in God's word. Uh, The idea here is to fear the Lord according to God's word. You know, I just want to bring this up just a little, just for, just a side note, that uh, in our generation today, there, are, there is all sorts of different kinds of worship. Uh, but the truth is, God has prescribed in his word how we should worship him. And so there is a kind of worship that God rejects. And so we have to know this. And so, so how should we worship God then? Well, we should worship him in fear of the Lord according to his word. We should worship him according to what his word says. But in any case, with regards to the time that we have here on earth, essentially, we would say for as long as you and I are alive, we are to conduct ourselves with fear and reverence, right? (laughs) Pastor Jonathan, you've said that like a million times today with fear and reverence, and yes, this is true. Again, the tendency that we have, although we know this truth, is sometimes we are very forgetful. That's why all throughout scriptures, there's so many times where the Bible says, remember, it was Jesus who brought you out of Egypt. Remember, you always ask us to remember what God has done for us because we tend to be forgetful and busy and have have our minds preoccupied with all sorts of stuff. But really, this is a reminder for us today. Thank God for his grace that he's reminding us today that our conduct as God's people should be controlled and dominated by the word of God so we can fear the Lord. Right? Um, and then he talks about, unlike your forefathers who did what they viewed to be correct and developed their own patterns of life that excluded God. So now, anyway, what is the motivation to live this way? All right? So the first one that I see there is in verse 18 to 19. Um, it says, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish, or spot. That's what it says. Um, why would God shed the blood of his son for us sinners? Okay, so that's the question there. So why should I fear God? Why should I live my life fearing God and having reverence for him? Well, because of Jesus' shed blood. And then now you can ask the question, why would Jesus, who are we that God is mindful of us, that he would give us his son so that we could be ransomed? Uh, to be his possession and his treasure. Um, That's an amazing thought, right? And, you know, uh, maybe some of you have heard of this song that was composed around 2003 by uh, Stuart Townend called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Do you guys know this song? Right? Uh, I'm not going to sing it because I might ruin it for you. But this is the lyrics. The lyric says, How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold, the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. 
His dying breath was, has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. This is the truth. This is why, why should we live our lives in reverence and awe of this majestic God. Why? Because of Jesus shed blood. Really, Jesus died for us, plain and simple. Now, it's, I was thinking about this. I'm like, why do I have to say this? Do we not already know this already? And then again, you know, I, I started reflecting about it because sometimes the degree that this truth hits us differs from time to time. Sometimes you have a week and you're so into God's word and you hear that kind of a song and you're like bawling your eyes out. You're like, wow, this is for me. This is what Jesus did for me. But then sometimes you have a week when you have neglected reading the word of God or neglected communion with God and you hear this sort of song or poetry or psalm and it affects you not. It doesn't affect you. You become numb to it. There is a sense that you become casual to this truth. And so it's important for us to know this because we have to watch out for that. Let us not take this casually. And really, we should be asking the Lord to help us. God, this week is going to be a hard week. Please help me, O Lord, to meditate on what Jesus has done for me. Because that will change your life. That will transform how you will think that week. That will transform how, how you will act and conduct yourselves in the world. Um, and so this is important for us to know this. It's nothing new in a sense. It's a simple truth, but it's a weighty truth. There's gravity in this truth, right? This would be something that would be so heavy in your heart. You would be so overwhelmed with this truth if you knew the 100% absolute, you know, if you're able to comprehend this of what this really, really, really means. And yet sometimes we have weeks or days wherein we neglect to take a moment to think about this and, and then unfortunately that could cause us into living our lives that demonstrate that we don't fear the Lord and so it's important for us to know this all right and the next one is what is the second motivation for this well it says because of God's eternal plan verse 20 to 21 it says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So what Peter does here, in a sense, is that he opens up our perspective to the window of God's eternal plan. All right? Uh, what Christ did at the cross and the shedding of his precious blood, you know, Jesus' death was something that was not an accident. And if you can go to the next slide, please, this will help us to see this, that really what happened with our salvation, you who have been saved, this has been planned before the foundation of the world. This is what the Bible teaches us. So before creation, Jesus, uh, God has already decided that Jesus would be the ransom for those who would believe in his name, right? And then today we are in 2023 and that's, that's kind of like the window of time and space where we're in or at. But really what, what Peter is trying to do here is get your attention away from this little window of 2023, right? What happens when, this is really what happens to us. We have a tendency to do this. Sometimes we forget that there is eternity, right? 
And so we focus on what's happening now, right? My finances, my dreams, and my hopes, and those things are not bad. But sometimes we focus on those things, and then we have a tendency to live as if that is all there is. That can happen to us. We can fall into that trap where we might think, or you might not even think about it. You're just suddenly in that spot, and you're doing it. You're just like, okay, this is my life now. I'm just paying bills and mortgages, and, 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 and now you're all thinking that's what your focus is. Right? If somebody were to ask you, okay, what do you do? And then that becomes your identity instead of Jesus being your identity. But in any case, this becomes, you know, this is, we have a tendency to focus on this window. But Peter, in the scriptures, is getting our attention away from this window. Guys, let's back out. This is not what it's all about. But in any case, I want you to know that this is how unbelievers live their lives. Those who are not saved, they live their lives as if, this is all there is, this window of 2023. But really, Christians, we have a different perspective and that there's a plan of God wherein you are a part of it. And it's, it's just awesome and amazing. And this is something that we ought to be thinking about to motivate us to what? To fear the Lord. And look at the very end as well. Maybe some of us don't really think about this too often, but at the very end, there is a day called the white throne judgment, right? There is a judgment day. Wherein we will stand before God and he will evaluate everything that we've done. This is true. And yet sometimes because we tend to focus on what's happening right now, we live our lives as if there will be no judgment day. It can be easy for that to happen. And so God is helping us right now with this word to think about this. It lifts up our perspective from the reality that we might be in right now so that we can see the true reality of God's plan um, in all of creation. So, again, by the way, this is not saying that what you're doing right now in your life does not matter, all right? For young people, if you guys need to think about your careers and go to university, those things are important, right? But then God is teaching us that, hey, there's something better. There's something bigger than what is happening right now in, a, in our little lives. Um, in light of the scriptures, uh, and so this is important for us to know. And another thing is in verse 20 to 21, if you guys just follow me there in verse 20 to 21, it says, He was forsaken before the foundation of the world, but, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. This is actually for your sake. This whole plan, it's amazing because yes, this is for the glory of God. So at the very end, God receives all the honor and glory. And yet here it says, but guys, but listen, believers, brothers and sisters, this is what it's about too. It's for the sake of you. It's for your sake. Right? He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith, so that your faith and hope are in God not in the things that's happening in that little window of time. Um, so this is what God's word teaches us. So it, it's amazing. This whole thing involved you as part of his plan of redemption. Involved us. It involved us as objects to be ransomed for his glory. That's amazing. Now, the next motivation, the third motivation that I see here uh, to live in the fear and awe of God is... God's impartial judgment as father, all right? God's impartial judgment as father. Um, 
Peter highlights in here a father and son relationship. Uh, this is an image that we see often in the Bible. You know, that God is our father and we are his children. So there is a sense that father and son. In chapter 1, verse 3 of 1 Peter, it says, Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? And then verses in, in, uh, in chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So there is that relationship of there's a father and his children, their father and son. Um, the father and son relationship in here is actually marked by likeness. Like you look like your father, right? Remember it says, be holy for I am holy, right? There is a reflection. There is a likeness that's happening in here when it comes to this whole image and metaphor of God being a father and we being his children. But also I just want to say this, just take a break for a moment. We're talking about an image, right? An imagery. But we should be careful because really, in reality, actually, God is actually our father. <laughs> this is not just an image or an illustration or a metaphor, but really God is actually the father of his children, um, of those who believe in the name of Jesus. And so it's important for us to acknowledge that. And, and sometimes, and now the reason that Peter is getting into this is because sometimes we have a flawed image of fathers. Right? So, for example, maybe some of us here um, have been fortunate enough to have had a dad who was a good dad. And, and so because of that, you, you can trust God faster. It's more convenient for you to trust God. It's easier to do that. But maybe some of us here have had a father who abandoned them when they were young. And so growing up, now you feel that, oh, it's going to be hard to trust God. It's going to be difficult to trust God as my father. And so Peter brings this uh, this to our attention because what he wants to do is he wants us to understand God as our father in a biblical sense. Okay, so the truth is, you know, I've, I've actually had moments and experiences like this before where I heard people approach God uh, and say, you know, call him daddy God, you know. Um, it's true, the Bible teaches that, that our God, we can call him Abba, Father, and Abba Father is a term of endearment wherein we can say Papa. But in that sense, it doesn't diminish his majesty and glory. Unlike what we hear in our culture nowadays, there is a sense that when people say, Oh, is that your, do you believe in God, your sky daddy or your daddy God? And there's a sense where it's blasphemous and, and disrespectful, right? But Peter is bringing our attention to, uh, you know, our attention to this because we have to understand that the father and child dynamic is not like what we have here on earth. Okay, so I know that there's so many passages that talks about that God is like our father, but then Peter is giving us this picture that yes, to some of you that can relate to this, there is some truth to this, that your father might be like this on earth, and then that will help you to understand what God the father is like. But really, regardless of how your father was like on earth, this is how God is like. This is what Peter is trying to teach us. So for example, you know, Jesus once said, if you then who are evil, this is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Jesus once said, if you then who are evil as fathers, right? Fathers in here today, right? This is what Jesus says. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him, right? So it's giving some sort of a comparison, but the comparison of 
earthly fathers and heavenly father is different. It's, it's a contrast, not similarities. All right, so uh, in another part of scripture, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 to 10, it says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we, that, shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. So there's a sense that we compare father, earthly fathers to our heavenly father, but it's important for us to know that our heavenly father is much more different than what we usually see with earthly fathers. Yes, we love our fathers. Yeah, we respect our fathers, but we just need to know this truth. Our God the Father is not altogether like us. He's different. He is, in fact, holy. He is separated. He is of his own sweet generis or uh, he, of his own kind. That's the Latin for it. Sorry, I just, it just kind of snuck in there. But he is of his own kind. He is a father in which nobody can be likened to. Um, so, in other words, our human parents were flawed in the administration of their discipline, for example. But God is never flawed in how he disciplines his children. He is impartial. He has no favoritism. All right? So, Peter is actually causing us to move from an imperfect father image uh, of God to a perfect image of God the Father. Why? Because our culture and our society has diminished the truth about who God is, that God is holy. And because our society and culture is like that, guess what happens? We have the tendency to not honor him as God or fear him in the way that we should fear him. So do you honor God? Do you fear him? We should because he is a holy and perfect father and God. God is our father, never sins against us. He never fails us, right? He, he will never fail you. You know, he's actually moving towards you in moments that you run away from him. He is moving towards you and is chasing you with his love. Surely mercy, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is our God. This is who he is. And when, when we sin before God, you know, he doesn't say, oh, it's cool, right? Maybe some of our earthly fathers might say, oh, it's okay, no worries, um, but no, when we sin against God, he would discipline us. In fact, um, he says, do not worry, for your sins will find you out. Remember this in Numbers? This is the God that we serve. He is holy, and we should fear him and have a reverence and awe of him. And this will affect so many things in our lives. The principles that we have, the values that we, that we have, the decisions that we make, this will flow from that fear and reverence of God. Because at the end, remember, there will be a day of judgment. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I wish I could, you know, to scare you into believing God and fearing him, but I can't do that. Of course, that, that will be the work of the Holy Spirit in you. But the truth is, at the very end of everything, right, if you guys remember the image there, at the very end, the Bible teaches us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And here is the thing. You have two options, all right? Will you bow to the knee as if he is your master and you say, Lord, you are my God, right? 
Or the other one will be, he will force you to bow to the knee because he deserves to be worshipped. And he really deserves that. He, you, he is God. And, and you could either come to him at the very end of time as his friend, and he would call you, come, welcome my faithful servant, or well done my faithful servant. You, you could come to him in that sense. Or you could come to him as his enemy. And so we don't want that. And, but then we thank God that we can come to, Jesus, to God through Jesus with this hope that, hey, I have confidence in Christ, that I can stand before God in the day of judgment. Although I am imperfect, the one who died for me is perfect, and he loves me, and he gave himself for me. And so I want to live my life for him in fear and obedience of God the Father. So that is a response. What should the response be? The response should then be um, fear and reverence of God. It just flows out of the, the text. That's what we should do. Um, if you address God as Father, right, and as one who actually judges impartially, then as God's people, we better live our lives reverently. You ought to recognize the sobering and serious effect of God being your Father. That you ought to live a life that does not dishonor Him or reduce His majesty and glory. And so really, we enjoy a position of favor with God not by our choosing, but by His. He moved toward us to provide the basis of our salvation, and He calls us to Himself. We enjoy this gift of grace, but that does not remove the responsibility of God's children to live in a way that is honoring to Him. Our sermon is finished. I just want to end here. I remember when I was young, I was such a big fan of Star Wars. And uh, I think, I know some of you may not relate. What is Star Wars? Okay, it's all right. It's okay for now. But uh, I just want to say that in the Philippines, growing up in the Philippines, uh, I noticed or, or have observed that people, uh, there's not like an infrastructure when it's like time to collect your garbage, that there's no garbage truck that would come. For some villages and some neighborhoods, they would, as neighbors, people would just kind of sweep all of their garbage and make it into like a pile, and they would, at the end of the day, towards the night, they would just burn that, right? And you, at the end of the night, you would just smell like, you know, rubber burning or garbage burning. This is just a reality there, and there's no way I'm diminishing Philippines as a country or anything like that. I just want you to know. But it's just a fact. That's what happens there. But I remembered. I was young, and so it was that time of the night. My neighbors swept all the garbage, and they set it up ablaze, a and it's on fire. And I was a kid, and so I had this idea of like, hey, you know, maybe I could grab one of these wood or whatever and just kind of like take it. And I started doing this. I'm like, oh, that's so cool because it's nighttime, right? And it's dark and I see the light. It's making all sorts of patterns, right? And then I, I noticed something. If you hit it on something, it sparks, right? So I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so I'm like, oh, maybe I can start hitting things with it. So I started hitting things with it and it was sparking all over the place and I was having so much fun on my own. And then I did not realize that what I was doing was I was actually gliding that piece of wood, the charcoal or whatever, the coal with a fire on my neighbor's white fence, right? So I was going like, I was going like that. I was going like this all night, right? Going like this. I was having so much fun. And then I was done. I just dropped it. And then that's it. I went, I went home. The next day, <laughs> my neighbors went out to my mom and they said, your son, Jonathan, did this and then so we went out to the front and we saw that the whole white fence looked like it had been vandalized right it looked like it had graffitied right so it's like all black you know from 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 the fire embers or whatever of that wood in any case my mom talked to me and she said you know what just wait your dad's gonna get home soon 
<laughs> and so um, I, remembered, I, I remembered I went to school that day, and the whole time I was in school, I was just thinking about like, oh my goodness, my, my dad is coming home. Uh, and I remembered, I, this was so, I, this is from a memory that really when I got home from school, I went to sleep. <laughs> because I knew that I had to prepare myself for my dad's discipline, right? So I got home around 3 p.m., 4 p.m., and I knew my dad would be home at 6, and I had to prepare my body, mind, and soul <laughs> for, for this discipline that's about to happen. And then my dad got home at 6, and he did discipline me. And I remembered from that moment, this, this really stuck out to me, that um, what happened was the whole neighbors, they knew that I was his son, right? And there was an idea that, oh, his son is one that is wayward, that is like causing all this vandalism stuff and all that. But I remember that stuck with me. And so from that moment on, I remembered that whatever my friends were doing growing up in the Philippines, I thought twice whether people would think badly about my dad because they knew him. My dad was actually, by God's grace, was someone who was respected in the neighborhood, even in his workplace. And they knew him as somebody who feared God. When people would go drinking and get drunk, my dad would never participate in those things. I remember this growing up. And, um, and so that stuck with me that, hey, you know what? There are things that I would do or can do that would, in the end, dishonor my father's name in the eyes of my neighbors and my community. And I know that's just a very small, imperfect example. And yet, with our God, it's something grander, bigger than that. Things that we do today, tomorrow, in the next few months, the next few weeks, it matters that you fear God with reverence and awe because all of this matters for eternity. Right now, counts forever. So what we do, saying, telling people that, hey, I'm a Christian, and so what we do will actually paint a picture of who God really is to them. And so we should ask God to help us. God, please. Please motivate me that Jesus died for me. Motivate me that you gave me eternal plan. Motivate me, O oh Lord, that you, have, you are an impartial father who is perfect so that I can live my life in awe and in reverence of you. Help us, O oh Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how you speak to us like no other. I know, Lord, that I am not important. I have no real authority but it's all from you and so lord please transform our hearts change our hearts renew our minds lord help us to see more of jesus and help us to understand what this really means to live our lives for you because you are a great and an awesome god and so when people look at our lives they should see how awesome you are so lord help us with that in our weakness in our discouragements lord you are our strength you are our only hope. In Jesus' name, amen.